Street Champs, come get put on. Today I'm in here with a very special guest, Randy Thurston. How you doing today, Randy? Derek, I'm doing great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming. I really appreciate it. Well, you know, I, I hear things out there, and I, I hear about you. And obviously, you're uh, you have influence, and you're connecting with a lot of people. And for me, it's whatever it takes to educate people of what's going on. To me, that's golden. Mm-hmm. Wow, you know, as you're the first person to ever tell me that. Like, I mean, I hear I hear that I people hear about me like from my peers, but you know, someone a little bit older, I feel like, wow, that, that really means a lot. Well, now, what do you mean by a little bit older? A little bit older than me, you know. <laughs> a little bit older than me. No, I, you know, I'm cool with that. But, yeah. but no, really, it's Pueblo is an interesting community, and there's uh, people from all different directions that want to make a difference. Mm. And the ones that are about educating and exposing and putting the headlights on hidden agendas, I, I, I love it. That's, that's what's going to make the world move forward in a better way. Wow, I like that. Um, so for the people that aren't familiar with you, can you just give us like a like a quick a quick introduction to who Randy is? Well, you know, I I'm I'm just a guy. Mm. I was born here in Pueblo. I was born in 1957 and um, went to South High School. Never went to college. Uh, worked at the steel mill when I was 18 years old. In fact, day after my 18th birthday, I got hired, and I thought that was going to be my life. I've got a beautiful. Wow family i got three great kids and i got four granddaughters and a soon-to-be great-grandpa oh wow and um you know pueblo is a a magical place and as much as i love my family pueblo also has a special fabric of connection that uh, you can't find anywhere else Mm -hmm. so i'm very fortunate for the most part for most of my family to be living here in pueblo Mm -hmm. wow um so what, what do you uh I'm I'm pretty familiar with what you're doing. You're working with Heidi right now, but will you uh, break that down for the people? Like, what what are you doing on a day to day basis that makes you kind of because uh, you have your own podcast? Correct. The, uh, it's greener on the inside. The, the, grass, the grass is greener. Green, the grass is greener on the inside. Sorry about that. Yeah, the grass is greener on the inside. Available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, all, all of it. There, all yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So what do you what do you typically do on a day to day basis? Well, first I'll I'll tell you what what makes my day to day efforts pretty clear Mm -hmm. is the principles I live in life Mm -hmm. and one thing that in my heart of of a hundred percent of what I can do is be an advocate for people Mm. not an advocate for special interest not an advocate for politicians not an advocate for all those things that have lots of big money pouring in to to advocate for who's advocating for the people Mm. so one of my simple things when it comes to uh, the political arena is I hate politicians. Every politician has something in common. They all have a hidden agenda. I want leaders. I want leaders that are real people that care, that want to make a difference, that really want to create potential and and, uh, possibilities for everybody and will fight the bad guys. And the the bad guys are the ones that have a lot of money that want to control and and keep... uh, information away from people and not uh not have the putting the headlights on hidden agendas mm-hmm. so i don't know if that kind of clarifies that statement so one of uh, my greatest leaders here in pueblo is garrison ortiz 
and Garrison approached me when he was thinking about running for county commissioner and, and asked me a lot of questions. And he's county commissioner right now? He's the current uh, chairman of the county commissioners. What does a commissioner do? I'm sorry, I'm for people that don't know. Well, a commi- you, got, you have the city, which is the city council, and now the mayor, and then you have the county commissioners. Uh, council, uh, we have a home rule city in the city, and the, and the state uh, charter is what really runs the county commissioners. The county commissioners are both the... Uh, legislators and the administration, hmm. where in city it's they're just legislative. So there's different roles that they play, but we are interconnected very closely. And the more we can unite as a community, both with the, the city, the county, the metro district, and Pueblo West, I mean, there's so many different pieces of this that then as a whole we can raise uh, – our potential. We can create opportunities that wouldn't exist otherwise, which will help keep the ability to keep our kids living here. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you hear something about Pueblo, it's is our kids, they graduate and they leave. Mm-hmm. You know, they have aspirations of, of, of maximizing their potential. Well, why can't we create the opportunities here in Pueblo to keep them here? And that's never been a focus and a priority, but it needs to be. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think uh, coming off that, I did move away when I graduated high school. So I, I fell into that. I left literally the summer of I, my graduation. Right. COVID brought me back. Um, and I'm happy it did. But I think uh, that's a multifaceted issue, though, is, uh, you know, I don't, maybe the opportunities aren't here, but also, like, mm, their families are here. Most kids are just trying to get away from their par- their parents when they go to college is maybe what I was, what I would think. Right, and, and I think you're correct with that. But again, uh, they also go off to start their lives. Mm-hmm. And having a career is huge. The income they generate is huge. And Pueblo has never had the level of, of, of jobs and creation to really aspire for kids, especially if they go to college, to have uh, uh, the ability to stay here. Yeah. Which then brings kind of what your question when you mentioned about Heidi. So Garrison Ortiz, he's a leader. He will take on the bad guys. He will he will do what it takes to to fight for the people of this community. Heidi Ganell, I didn't know who she was four months ago. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, she came down for dinner at the art center, and I was invited, and I ended up sitting with her at dinner. And after two hours, almost two and a half hours, one on one with Heidi, uh, I said, "Woman, who are you? Where'd you come from? You know, running for governor." And you're not a politician. I said, I love it. And what was in her heart was what would be in your heart or my heart or anybody that's that's just a person mm-hmm. without wanting to create and manipulate that power into something self-serving. Somebody that's pure, somebody that really, really, truly cares and will fight, again, what needs to be to make sure the advocacy of, of citizens is the priority. So after that uh, time spent with Heidi... Um, She's that, and she invited me to come up to Denver, which I did, and I've spent a lot of time. and And for me, she will be the best governor. And again, uh, when I look at the current, the last four years of of our governor, um, I asked a question: How many people feel that we've improved? And I have, but maybe a few say, you know, 
it's good. Most of them say no. It's there's we got all these problems. We got fentanyl coming. That's almost mainstream now here. You know, you've got uh, decriminalization of car thefts, and you have people walking in and stealing stuff, and and no accountability. You know, you it's look, kind of everywhere. I feel like though, you know, if you listen to what was it somewhere in Illinois just decriminalized a bunch of um, uh, crimes, like second degree murder was one of them. They decriminalized second degree murder in somewhere in Illinois. Right. And that will happen with politicians. That will happen with hidden agendas. That will happen with anybody except those that provide leadership. Now, there are going to be pockets in this chaotic way of, of life we're living now that doesn't serve your, your, your little kids, it doesn't serve your teenagers, doesn't serve your young adults, doesn't serve your, your older people, it doesn't serve anybody when you have a free-for-all out there. Mm-hmm. And, and so the question is, is uh, the hidden agenda is blaming. Well, it's because of mental illness. It's because of drug addiction. It's because of, of uh, uh, income uh, uh, disparity. I mean, they can come with all these things. And, well, the bottom line is if you don't hold people accountable, you're going to let a free-for-all go to where it becomes mainstream. And it's getting really close to it. So what kind of life will we be having when mainstream is that you don't have jails, you don't have uh, uh, courts, you don't have anything because it's okay to do whatever you want? Oh, no, that, that'll never happen. Well, guess what? What's happening now should never have happened. Mm. Does that make sense, Derek? Yeah, it definitely does. But I think my, my retort would be, um, you know, with the growing population, you know, you're going to get growing criminal population, and the jails can only be built for so many people. Like Pueblo County Jail is... I'm I'm not an expert, but I think it's overpopulated, is it not? It it is. There's yeah. there, there's more uh, people needing to be there than not. But but then this is where you come up with the process. You really start identifying the problem. One of them is is the drug dealers that deal hard drugs. Mm-hmm. You know, marijuana is legal. It's it's it, it it's great. It's a natural plant. I mean, whatever whatever direction, but the chemically created fentanyl that is made in China is made uh, for a cost of just pennies mm-hmm. for, for a pill. It's a 100% chemical, and its goal is to be addictive and deadly. And um, the deadliness comes in with people want the highest level of high, and to get the highest level of addiction with it makes the combination of that's the, the hidden agenda, that's the motivation. Mm-hmm. They want an income stream of people that are hooked on fentanyl that uh, will never end until they die, mm-hmm. and 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 it's a hard it's a hard question. But I challenge anybody to argue that point with me. China is about making the money. It's being made in China. It gets sent to the cartel. The cartel then takes the the pill, sells it to the drug dealer, and now the drug dealer sells it to the end user. All with money being the motivation. It's not about quality of life or or, or uh, anything that's going to be a physical benefit to the to the to the person. But the person isn't told that. They said, "Hey, you want to feel good? You want this? You want that?" All of a sudden, that becomes uh, the enticement to get them in. But the addictive part of it is where it's 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 extremely criminal, because the people right now they don't care what they have to do to get more. Uh, of the addictive drugs hmm. they'll they'll do anything with that level of addiction so where should that stop you know i guess um a forward-thinking idea would maybe be just uh legalize it you know i think maybe once it's uh regulated 
can get it from a reputable store, I think that would probably solve a lot of issues. Well, and I think with, with obviously marijuana is, is legalized, mm-hmm. and I think that is where the case is. But there's also, I think, a dark side of the people that, uh, because it's marijuana is legalized, how can we as the dark side, not playing within the rules of, of, of legalization, take drugs to a higher level and a higher addiction? And, and maybe that's the case, Derek. I, I, I don't know. I'm not an expert in this. I just see the results, and I talk to so many families that their kid went off to school one day, a happy kid, you know, laughing and smiling and jumping rope and doing all this, and something happened, and and life changed, and then the family's life changed, and the people around, everything became a dark hole. And I don't think that is the intent of anybody that ever does drugs. And again, like I said, I see so many people doing their marijuana, and they're very happy with it. It's a good thing. There's nothing, it's not illegal, and, and, it's, and it's not something that they become uh, ruled by the addiction. And I think that's a key point that you have to look at. So I think dealers that deal in drugs that create that level of addiction, there should be a, a heavier consequence and let the you know, things that are legal uh, be a benefit of, for the fact it's being legal because it is regulated, it's taxed, and there's, there's a lot of good things that come out of that. Yeah, I mean, isn't Denver, didn't they decriminalize uh, mushrooms? You know, they're working on it. Ah. Yeah, I, and they may have. I, I don't know. And again, it's the same situation. It's a natural thing, you know. Uh, I, I look at uh, at Denver and and the, and what happens there and how it kind of trickles down. And I think everybody has the same concern. There has to be something that happens that there's an accountability of something that happens that make that then not. Uh, that you don't reward bad behavior, that there's something that will stop this, this cycle that's happening with the, with the decriminalization of, I mean, going to the, the store right now. I mean, how many times do you go into the store and you just have people next to you just grab whatever they want and walk out? You know, somebody pays a price for that and it's, and it's us. Mm. You know, you look at the Safeway on the east side, they, they shut that down because um, the, the amount of, of losses... Uh, it became almost a free store to just walk in and get whatever you wanted. Again, it, it, it doesn't serve the greater good of, of, of our, our kids growing up to show some responsibility and show that that there is a price to pay. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but um, I guess the human side of me is like, you know, if, if that mother or father is starving and their kids are starving, you know, go in there and run out with the bread and, and meat. I, that's what I would do if I was starving. Again, if I was starving and I had to take care of my family, absolutely. Do you think that there's programs out there to to handle that, though, Derek? Yeah, I suppose you're right. You know, you know there is. Yeah, I guess just with their. I mean, yeah. Now we're playing the blame game. You know, maybe they are on drugs or something. Um, I guess they don't find it in themselves to go find those programs. I can't speak on it, but because I, I don't know it. Well, I, I worked at the soup kitchen for a couple of years, mm-hmm. uh, serving lunch. And it was good because, again, it's about human beings. It's, and there's so many hard life stories that have happened that were beyond their control. Right now, uh, here in Pueblo, Colorado, the homeless, uh, the soup kitchen, can't serve food inside because there's a whole new group of homeless that have come in that has run the, the real homeless out. 
it's a, there's a criminal element to it. Uh, I don't know if you saw the Channel 13 drone shot with uh, Fountain Creek, with uh, the, the the guys that were shooting and shooting the drone down. Oh, the Instagram page, Bums and Drones. Right, okay. I, that I don't know. I just saw it on Channel 13. Yeah. And... And, and you go back into the weeds or to the high hidden situation, and most of the people there are criminal. Mm. The homeless are either have left. In fact, um, I'm I, my actual job because I do have an actual job is real estate, and I've been doing it for forty five years. And we just wow. uh, where Culver's is on the boulevard, uh, we're selling the two. Uh, uh, land next to it. We just closed on one for for a, a national car wash coming in, but I'm there at the site, and a homeless guy comes up, and he has three baskets pulled behind him, and he's got a black eye and a cut lip, and obviously had been beaten up, and you know um, he's setting up a camp right there on the boulevard, and I says, you know, sir, you can't do this. He says, but I have to. He says, I have to be where people can see me. He says, I was down in Fountain Creek, and down there in Fountain Creek, these guys came up to me and said, this is their place, and I had to pay them money, and I had to give them everything I had, and if I didn't, they were going to beat me up, and they beat me up anyhow and took everything. I got beat up every day. Jesus. Now, I'm sorry. This is, this is the real world that, that people need to have the headlights put on what's going on. My heart goes out to homeless people as well. I'm all about giving a hand up, uh, uh, um, give a hand up all day long to, to help people get on the right track. There are so many programs out there. There's really nobody should ever have to go and steal anything to to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, I think, is something that, well, who are the people that are stealing? If you look at that drone shot, uh, they have all the stolen goods and everything out there. They're 100 yards away from King Super's. Target over there has the people that they've identified that come in every day and walk out with things, take it to the camp, sell it, and then buy fentanyl pills. I mean, this is this is this is the real world that exists, and I know we're kind of getting sidetracked on on all the good things we want to talk about, but there's also an element of responsibility for people to to ask themselves. Um, what really is going on? Mm-hmm. You know, when I do my grass is greener on the inside, I, I talk about two important components. One is fear and ego. And fear and ego motivate 95% of us. But yet fear and ego is fueled by outside forces. The grass is greener on the inside is fueled by internal sources. And one of those sources is asking powerful questions. And increasing your awareness level. If I could give a gift to everyone that's listening to this right now, Derek, is what would your life be like if every day you were motivated to increase your awareness level? I don't know what that means. Can you explain it? Well, the awareness level is, I'll give you an example. Uh, If you were a skier in the backcountry and you were afraid of avalanches, Mm. and I shared something with you and I said, do you realize if you get caught in an avalanche and you're buried uh, in snow, how do you know how to dig out instead of dig down? Because when you're totally encapsulated upside down, you have no clue of what's up and down. Mm-hmm. So if I gave you an awareness that that fixed that problem, it would be incredible. So you know what you do? You spit. Mm. If you're in an avalanche and you don't know which up or down you spit, and your spit will go down. Wow. So you dig the other way. So I just increased your awareness level. What if you increased your awareness level every day 
in every way of finding out uh, truth and reality to give you a higher quality of life, to make you more responsible, to create a way of being that that uh, you never thought was possible. Isn't staying stuck in fear and ego that other people can push the buttons. Ego is, okay, you have to be a certain way to be accepted. Mm -hmm. And if you believe that, guess who has power? The ones that set the rule of what it is to be accepted. The fear is if you do this, uh, I'm going to do this to you. And you're afraid, so you do what they say. Again, outside influences. So if we start creating a new gener generation that, that supports leaders, not politicians, that support the grass is greener on the inside versus um, fear and ego, and start uniting. Because you know what the best weapon of the, the side to keep us stuck in life is the dividers. Mm -hmm. Just think we united. You know, when I started off telling you that I'm an advocate for people. Mm -hmm. I'm not an advocate for some people. I'm an advocate for people. And that needs to be, how can we find common denominators, Derek, that we can kind of really unite, that we can really work together and find common purpose? And we're not always going to agree on everything. But how do we find something that makes us stronger, not weaker? Wow. Um, that's, a lot to, that's a lot to take in. Um, I, like, I like the way you think, you know, Basically, it's you're saying, um, be you, be different. You know, don't be afraid to to be out to walk outside the norm. You know, um, I, when did you start thinking like that? You know, what kind of what kind of young adult were you? Well, again, like I said, never went to college, so uh, my goal in life was to um, um, live what my parents thought I should live. Mm. You know, our parents are, are such a big influence on it, and they always, most parents have your best intention, but the intention shouldn't lie in your parents. At a certain point, it should lie in you. And that's where asking the, the, the question is, uh, I, I talk about in my podcast, the, the, uh, the disease of comfort. And, and Derek, I, I shared this with you the other day, but uh, Everybody wants to live a life where they're comfortable and they don't ever have to worry about anything. Well, as soon as you become comfortable, you start actually dying. You need that little bit of stress. I mean, if you're going to build muscles, you're going to lift weights, you're going to stress. You know, if you want to be healthy, you're going to have things that stress a little bit, but not too far of a stress to keep your immune system strong. If you put yourself in a bubble and never uh, 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 expose yourself to any of the bad stuff out there, uh, you're going to have the weakest immune system in the world. So we live on all of the stuff that we don't understand that when you start asking yourself, how can I be the best version of myself? Not the best version based off of my mom, not the best version based off of my grandma or my school teacher or my buddy or whatever, but the best version for me, that becomes the powerful question that every day you fuel increasing awareness to really get to that point that at the end of the day, you're not worried about what anybody thinks of you. Can you imagine, Derek, seriously, how powerful that is? If somebody's opinion of you is none of your business. You know, it's, it's a, definitely a powerful thought, but I imagine, you know, people walking around so oblivious to how other people feel, around, feel about them, that they're just in their own little world. They're just like, you know, everyone thinks I'm, thinks I'm great, when in reality, maybe they're not as great as they think. Well, and I think great is 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 a personal thing, because you know what makes us unique as human beings is that every one of us needs to be different. Yeah, 
you know, uh, trust me, I have so many things that uh, I can't even compete with people at, that are masters in other areas. But I don't care. The things that are important to me, and that's where everybody needs to ask one of their powerful questions, is what what life do I want to have? What life, when it's over, uh, looks back and I can say, this is what I did, this is what I achieved, this is what I accomplished, not for others, but in being the best version of myself that has raised the bar for all of us. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a personal thing, and to try to emulate or... Or, or copycat, because I a lot of I talk about copycat stuff. That we don't want to be a copycat. We want to be unique uh, into ourselves, and we need to be the chooser of what that is. Does that does that make some sense on on, on that, Derek? Yeah, it definitely does. Um, I, I guess back to the point about um, you know not caring about what other people think of you. It's kind of like a. It's kind of nice though that we can. <coughs> We can read people's facial expressions and how they're talking to us and be like, oh, this person doesn't think very highly of me, so I'm just going to, you know, leave them, leave them where, they're, where they are. I, I don't know. It's kind of a double-edged sword. You know, walking around, I don't care what anyone thinks, sure, but I want to be, I want to be like in the know enough to, to maybe change up how, I, how I'm talking to you. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm the one coming off abrasive. Or I'm, I'm, maybe I'm in the wrong, so you kind of need to know what people are thinking of you. Well, I'll give you an example, because one thing that you're going to find with me, Derek, is, is I'm not a talker. I, I live through the experience of what I share. This isn't about uh, putting a chart out and say, okay, this is the goal and this is what needs to happen, and I have no connection to that whatsoever. So when I was in city council, uh, Bob Rawlings, the owner of the newspaper, uh, absolutely was a was a control freak. Now he he has passed on. He did a lot of good for for Pueblo as far as his exposure of the newspaper, but he had a hidden agenda, and his hidden agenda is he wanted because he controlled the ink, and you probably have heard this that the one that controls the ink uh, controls uh, period, because you can then create the public perception of what's going on. And you would think that things that get printed are, are honest and have integrity. And now I think that one of the main new changes we're going through is the media can cherry pick or totally ignore the truth when there's a hidden agenda behind it. So now you look at the political hidden agenda and then you look at the financial uh, hidden agenda, people that profit from people's fear and their ego. And you start sending out messages that have nothing to do with truth and reality it, 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 it's a problem. So, But Bob Rawlings had, was a very powerful man. And he wanted things done the way, way he wanted to. And it wasn't what was best for the citizens of Pueblo. So I went a different direction and fought him on it. And he did everything he could to make me look bad, including I was president of the city council and he would put ugly pictures of me in the paper. You know, because again, we all have good pictures and we have bad pictures. And but he he proved he can pick out the other ones. Guess what? I didn't care. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't in city council for popularity or my image. I was in city council to serve the people. And it got pretty nasty of, of of things that he did and threats and everything. And I never backed down again. And I flat out told him. I said, "I'm I'm here to serve, not here for popularity." And if you think I'm going to care and have you control me against the will and what I feel is best for the people of Pueblo, I will resign immediately. And guess what, Mr. Rawlings? I'm not resigning. 
And at that point he got it. There was nothing he could do that was going to make me, under his influence of, of what my role was to serve the people of Pueblo. Mm. Does that make sense on that one, Derek? Yeah, yeah for sure. Rawlings, that's the same guy from the library? Right. Well, he, he put the money to build a library. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Bob Rawlings, uh, again, very tuned into Southern Colorado. In fact, um, I went back to Washington, D.C. when we were looking at uh, expanding the size of the reservoir and building uh, the size to where we would have excess water. Because right now, when people look at the Pueblo Reservoir, they think all that water belongs to Pueblo. Would you see that, Derek? No, I mean, I, I, I mean it's logical that that water is probably going to get distributed to you know, the nation, probably through different channels. Well, the, the reality is that the city of Pueblo only had 13% of the water in the reservoir. Wow. 13%. But yet it's in our backyard. We get the benefits to recreate on it. We get the benefits of of the quality of life because of that being here. And there's a lot of economic benefit of it. But the, the, the reality that uh, we were just a small piece, we wanted to increase it to where we had excess where that water was not 100% appropriated. And in doing so, the farmers down east, if, they, if there was ever flood, or not flooding, but droughts, we would have extra water that wasn't already accountable to somebody else to go to that we could then release and take care of, of all of Southern Colorado and those types of situations. But Bob Rawlings didn't want that. And so we talked to every congressman, senator back in Washington, D.C., and everyone that represented here in Colorado, every one of them, when we walked into their office, they said, has Mr. Rawlings changed his position? Now, this is back in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. That's the level of power that you have. And guess what? They would not go against Mr. Rawlings because he did not want that reservoir uh, increased in size. And as a result, it never happened. What, what would be uh, like the cons of making it bigger? Well, the cons is, like I just said, we would have excess water for southern Colorado. So we would the benefactors of of all the the owners of water now they have their water, but uh, you would you would have the ability to lease out to keep more of the farms green down down in the valley. That sounds like that sounds like a pro though. But like, what why why wouldn't you want to do it? Oh, why, oh, oh I'm sorry, I apologize. There uh, is because it involved his relationship with Cara Springs and Aurora that he battled and fought, and it also had benefits to Springs and Aurora because the more water that was there they had more capacity of storing water because they also participate in, in the reservoir. Mm. So it was more of, for me, the benefits was here. The fact that was there was more water stored here, there is no downside to anybody for anybody here in Colorado. But it was his personal factor of, of Springs and, and uh, Aurora that, uh, that kept him from wanting that thing expanded. And it would have been a, back then a, like a $200 billion project. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Two hundred million dollar project for the expansion. So it's so it was it was a, it was a big thing just just to get the thing moving. But that just shows the hidden agendas and the leverage of of people with power that can make you look good or make you look bad. And I didn't care that he tried to make me look bad. It was okay. That's a if you're going to be a leader, uh, you can't you, you can't have anything of fear along those lines whatsoever, Derek. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, you know, what, uh, what Colorado entrepreneurs, like, do you work with? Or, uh, I guess, 
anyone else that you do have a positive relationship with other than the Rawlings? Oh, heck, there's there's tons. And I, and I didn't point out with Rawlings in a negative way other than somebody that wanted to have influence and, and let your ego and fear be a deciding factor. There are so many great people, uh, um, uh, the Stephen Bush, uh, Anheuser-Busch family. Mm. They live in, in St. Louis. Uh, people don't realize because I was... Uh, uh, sold out all of the Bellasante condos here in town, mm. which is right there on the Riverwalk. And we had a lot of people that came through Pueblo that were very interesting people from other parts, and one of them was Stephen Bush. And um, uh, he brought in a lot of money and influence to help Pueblo. He uh, pushed the 2B to get more police officers. He, uh, uh, um, Steve... Uh, Smith, Stephen and his wife, he worked for uh, uh, British Petroleum Oil in Texas. And uh, they went to the website, the com, and saw the condos and also saw a video on Pueblo that I had put together. And what was interesting is they had no clue of where Pueblo, Colorado was. They saw the video. They saw the river walk. Uh, they called me up. I spent three days with them. He was the guy with, with British Petroleum Oil that if they had any problems anywhere in the world, they would send him to solve the problem. The guy was absolutely genius, brilliant. The, the, the art center, the, uh, I mean, the rescue um, for out there at the reservoir when they would do diving and tr diving training to rescue people. I mean, the, the amount of hundreds of thousands of dollars of donations that they made to local groups all came from that one phone call with him calling to check out after seeing this on uh, on uh, the internet, and wow. they ended up living here uh, in the condos, and just so many great things. So I could give you probably a hundred stories along those lines, but there are a lot of great things and great people here in this in this community. Hmm. Wow. Um, when did you start doing your your podcast? How, how many years ago? Well, you know, I, I when I did the radio show, I always wanted to make this kind of something that people can follow and grow with. But this is a fairly recent thing with the grass is greener on the inside. Mm. And the, I, as you now know, I'm very technically uh, unhooked up. <laughs> you know, I understand the trends and, and where things are going, and which now provides a heck of a lot of opportunities for people that want to take it to the level. You look at people my age, technology uh, is a word. But to get involved in it is like getting into a swamp or quicksand. There's there's so many options, so many things, you just don't know what to do. But the podcast is really the answer to the newspaper, mm -hmm. is to the print media, because now everybody gets a chance to share, and uh, and then then the responsibility becomes onto the listener or the watcher to make a decision of what makes sense and what doesn't. You know, my parents always told me, look both ways before I cross the street. Mm. And I've always taken that so serious because on every issue, I look at both sides. Every candidate, I look at both sides. Every, every pro and con, you look at both sides. You can't just listen to one side and say, okay, that's it. Mm. And that's why we get into the trouble that we get into today because people aren't seeking out information. So podcasts now give you the ability to have information that, that you can pick and choose of what you look at and whether it serves you or it doesn't and whether it's true or not. So it, the podcast is here to stay. YouTube's, uh, the, that level of technology is probably the greatest gift that we have in this time moving forward. 
Wow. So, uh, all right. So, how many months have you been doing it, Ben? Well, heck, I've been working on the material for actually years. years. But as far as doing this, I'd say probably the last six months or less. Six months or less. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You. Uh, I like the logo. I like the transitions. All Do those, yeah. Oh yeah. You have all those files. You have them stored somewhere, or it is. Somebody yeah, does. Somebody does. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, just because, well, you, let me tell you, back in the day when I was growing up, when you write a book, that's a big thing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when the grass is greener on the inside, which was a name that just came to me, you know, it really reflects, everybody says the grass is greener on the other side. Well, guess what? You're giving power to the other side. The grass is greener to the inside, like, Wow. Can you imagine if you could water the seeds that you plant, that you choose to plant in your own in your own thoughts, in your own head? Mm-hmm. And um, so when it came right down to uh, writing the book, The Grass is Greener on the Inside, you know, I'm sorry I, I told you I didn't go to college, but I played football for South, and I did a lot of things kids did back then that didn't aspire to the highest level of education. Uh, really maximizing my day in school to really learn as much. So I was kind of short in English. You know, I do know the difference between a question mark and a period, but, you know, don't push me too far. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) So I decided by doing the podcast, that is actually the new way of writing a book Mm -hmm. because you get a whole series of them, and it's like a mini-series. It's it's a never-ending. Oh, yeah. Anything that comes up, you can connect the dots, and people can go back and see at the beginning what was said and where it's said now. Uh, this area over here, now you want to w- move out into leadership versus politics. Now you have a whole different thing you can cover there. It's 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 priceless, and it's amazing what could be done for a young mind uh, to look at the unlimited possibilities of getting your voice out there in a way that truly makes a difference in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Derek, you're doing that. Yeah, I I know. I agree. Thank you. I, it's it's weird how I, um, you know, I say things on a podcast today, and I go back on to like a, the year ago, and I'm like, wow, these, you know, our stances change. It's interesting just to see the, I guess, just kind of mental mental shift, like when we learn things. Like you know, we'll talk about topics, and we'll learn things as the weeks go on, and we'll talk about them again, and yeah. So it's it's definitely my book. I, I understand what you're saying. It's your book. Yeah. yeah. And it's a more powerful book than the book. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when you look at, at trends, uh, you saw what happened to Blockbuster. You see what's happening to Barnes & Noble. Barnes & Noble, I mean, I'm sorry. There's so much other ways of even getting books without going and physically buying a book now. Mm-hmm. So it's so you're, you're, you're creating the wave for the, for the re- wave rider to be on and you'll be at the top of that rave wider. Man, hopefully, you know, and and uh, you'll be right there too. Well, like I said, as long as you keep your intent pure and to be an advocate for people is the easiest way of staying focused. You don't get sidetracked. Mm-hmm. You know, people talk about the money and how important money is and all that. And I am going to share the, the, the story that I share uh, with the Twilight Zone, and and I know I know you're way too young to remember the, bl- the old black and white Twilight Zone. Uh, but I rode the ride at at a Disney, or at a Universal Studios. So you have a connection to it. There. Yeah, they have a ride there. I did that. The Twilight Zone. So the Twilight Zone, and and I'm making this comment now with what's happening in the world 
we're in the twilight zone. Mm -hmm. These are anomalies that you could never have predicted. The shifts are so massive. The dominoes are falling. They have uh, inflation going through the roof. You've got food shortages. I mean, you've got all of these things that are happening all at once. And um, you look at why, what makes these things what they are. So Rod Steiger, back in the day when he made the Twilight Zone, took the human dynamic and took it in a way of understanding that was priceless, but still made it entertaining. And the one that I loved the most was um, the, the bank robber that actually was robbing a jewelry store. And he comes out and the cops are out there and they have a firefight and, you know, pop, all of a sudden he's laying on the, the street and his eyes looking up and guy walks over top of him wearing a big white jacket, big guy, and he said, hey, Mr. G, I'm, I'm here to give you whatever you want. And Mr. G pulls out his gun and starts popping this guy, and nothing happens. So he's thinking, well, maybe there's something to it. He says, well, I want a mansion. So snap. All of a sudden, they're walking up the steps to this guy's mansion. And then he says, well, I want money, and I want food and all this, and snap, 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 snap. Every, everything he wanted, all he had to do was ask, and it was there. And then it flashes two weeks, and he's gambling, and all of his friends are around, and every time he rolled the dice, he won, and every time he pulled the handle, he won, and, it, and everybody was going nuts and crazy, and then it flashes another two weeks, and he's playing pool. And he hits the rack, and all 15 balls drop in at once. Hmm. And all of a sudden, he just starts panicking and saying, I, 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 I can't take this anymore. There's no more challenge to life. This is hell. And the guy says, well, where did you think you were? Now, that has so much impact that we're all chasing this. We want everything we want. Mm -hmm. But what do we really need? What do we need to motivate us to grow? What do we need to create a way of, of looking at life that makes us happy no matter what that situation is? Mm -hmm. And without challenge... You have nothing. You know, I'm sure you played the game of you, you find this uh, bottle, a genie in a bottle, and you rub it, and she comes out, and she gives you three wishes, or he gives you three wishes. And everybody says the same thing. My first wish is I wish I have unlimited wishes. That's the same concept. Do you realize that you have sold your life out, that you'll never have a quality of life, you'll never be happy, you'll never have anything to motivate you to reach higher levels if you truly got what you thought that you needed. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely makes sense. It, um, it's the small, you know, it's, it's the small wins that make the big wins worthwhile. It's definitely, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, the challenges are so exciting and, and I know I'm weird and I'm okay with that because obviously I don't care what people think, but if there's uh, an argument about something and somebody wants to blame me for something that didn't happen in their life, right. You know what I say? Mm -hmm. Okay, I take it. It's my fault. I said, but I want you to think what you just did. You gave away a lesson you could have learned to better your life and you gave it to me. I now get your lesson. So I have no problem if people want to blame me for anything. I have no problem if people want to uh, make me wrong. Or, it, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when you start seeing the reality of what your life is and how important it is to have that, that motivation and that responsibility and take it on. The best thing that you have is when you make a mistake. Mm. The worst thing you have, and I'll give you this an example with my daughter. I took my kids out to Las Vegas when they were 21. And my daughter um, 
you know, there's a certain casino we went to and certain machines that I kind of had a feel that, you know, they were higher percentage paying than others. And my daughter uh, just turned 21, never been to Vegas before, goes up to these machines and the fourth time she pulled the handle, she wins $1,000. Do you know what that was? That was, um, I don't know, what was it? That was the worst thing that could have happened to her. Because mm-hmm. now she has this illusion of, of what it really is. So we all went uh, to our rooms and did all that. She came back down in the middle of the night thinking that this was going to be easy. And we had breakfast in the morning, and she was crying. and said, Dad, I lost all my money. I lost everything. And all because she thought something being because it was so easy. It, the challenges of life, I mean, those that have the biggest challenges, the, the listeners that are, are feeling like, man, life has crapped all over me. You know, this sucks. Do you realize the a advantage that you have if you can change the way that you're looking at life? Mm-hmm. That, man, I've got the greatest advantage. Man, I'm, I'm seasoned. I'm tough. I've dealt with it. I can understand. I can feel it. I, I know my potential is so much higher than somebody that had life handed to them. Mm-hmm. Now I just have to, to feel good. I have to have, be confident, and I have to not let any thought about what anybody thinks about me holding me back ever, and I'm always going to be on the side of right. When you're on the side of right, I tell you, it's a beautiful place because you never have to worry about it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you've definitely given me lots of gems that I'm going to take and tell people. I'm going to, I'm going to be like a wise man told me this. <laughs> That's, I like it. You're lots of metaphors and, and they definitely, um, help it, help me understand it, to understand it. You know, what the nice thing, Derek, is is what we're talking about right now. Everybody who's listening, two thoughts are going through their head. Well, yeah, yeah, it sounds good, but, you know, nothing ever works the way it sounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, it's not for me. I mean, it might work for other people, but I, I, it's not. All of a sudden you get a question. If I changed the way, if, if I was a master of alchemy, now, and you know what alchemy is. Yeah, it's like changing metal to gold. Yes, cha- changing lead to gold. Mm. So, so, wow, if you're a scientist and you can change lead to gold. And so when I get and speak to a large group of people, I always ask them the question, how, how many of you would like to have the formula to turn lead into gold? And, of course, everybody's hand goes up and I says, but what if I gave you something right now as a gift? And this is a gift, and it's right now, right in the moment, and it's better. It's much better than being able to turn lead into gold. People are going nuts. And you know what I say? Nothing. I, I pause for five, six, ten seconds. And the anticipation of people wanting to know, what could be so much better than the ability to turn lead into gold? What could that be? And I said, you have to put yourself in a mindset right now. The gift I'm going to give you is yours and yours on, only. You can't do it for somebody else. What if you could take a lead thought, which we all have constantly every day? I mean, how many lead thoughts do we have that are dark and heavy and depress us and get us feeling bad and seeing negative? And I mean, it goes on and on and on what a lead thought is. But what if you had the ability to take that lead thought and turn it into a gold thought? Because guess what? Right now, this very minute, you can take any lead thought you have and turn it into a gold, gold thought if you know it's possible. Hmm. 
And to do that is to find the gem in the worst of any situation. So when you think life has totally crapped on you and it doesn't get any, any worse, there's a benefit. If you think you're at the lowest level of life, that you, there is no upside, nothing that could ever come across to make you uh, feel like a human being, there's an upside. And that upside is you have nothing to lose. Now's the time to make the change. You don't, you don't have to wait. And that change can be so powerful in the fact of now. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to be on the side of right. I'm going to be the best version of myself and I'm going to start today with my eating habits. I'm going to start with uh, my physical condition. I'm going to start with uh, watching YouTubes. I mean, you don't need to go to college anymore. When You, ha you can take any subject and go to YouTube and, and again, you have to decide what's right and what's wrong. You can't drink everything as it's, if it's correct. Sorry, my, uh, my, cat, my cat got out. All right, anyway, guys. <laughs> so... Um, you know what's crazy? An hour just flew by like that. Um, we definitely need to do a longer one because we. I do two pod. I do two podcasts on Fridays. We do a Street Champs, which is the initial show that started this whole thing, uh -huh. and then we do a sports ones sports podcast. Now, um, I'm not a part of that one, but so this one is only going to have to be cut short at, at about an hour and oh, that, 10, hey, 15 minutes. I'm, I'm, I'm in the flow. I'm good with whatever. Nice. And I hope I've been able to share some things that will create people asking questions of themselves. Oh yeah. No, I definitely feel like, um, you've enlightened me on just, just kind of self-reflection and I want to get you back to just go deeper on this. And I can't wait to be on your podcast. Um, I don't know if you still want to do that. I guess that'd be really cool. Derek, absolutely. We, we set it up, we get it going, and you'll be on my podcast. And then we can even get deeper into the grass is greener on the inside. Because mm -hmm. that's where all the magic happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sounds really interesting. Um, shout out Dylan. Wish he could have been here for, uh, maybe he'll be here for the next one. Get Correct. Get both of you guys on here. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Well, he'll, de he'll definitely be there when, you're, when we have uh, with you with the interview there too. Nice. Uh, D uh, Dylan's a great guy. Thank you. Yeah. Um, all right. Do you have a social media where they could follow you or anything? You know, Facebook. Um, I need to have somebody help me with all of that social media outreach and, and all that because, again, it's so much more than what my potential is at this point of connecting with it. But right now I just want to kind of get the word out and then we'll open up the, the new roadways uh, for people to connect with it there. Nice. I got you. If you need help, I got you. Okay. I, and I'm, I'm counting on it. No, seriously, Derek. I'm, I'm, that's one of the reasons I'm here. I'm counting on it. Oh, yeah. I got you. Yeah. Um, that's pretty easy stuff just to get your social medias connected. Um, all right. Randy, thank you so much for your time. Derek, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed yeah. this, and you're a good man, I'll thank tell you. you. I Great say future. about you. Thank you. Thank all right. you. All right. Street Champs, come get put on. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, all that. All right. Peace.